Good morning, everyone. Hey, we're here, and it is Sunday, so here we are. Good to always meet you guys here. It's fun. Everybody feeling okay? Feeling good? Good. Getting ready for Memorial Day weekend? Yes. Who's going to the lake? Woo! For sure. One for me and one other guy. Oh, there's, there's another one way back in the back. All right. I don't know what the rest of y'all are doing, but we're going to have fun. Hey, we are in our series, Passover Pursuit Pentecost, and we have uh, almost made it to Pentecost. Next weekend, technically, is Pentecost Sunday. Very exciting. We've been following this track of Jesus since Easter, Passover, and we've talked about what that meant, you know, the, the, the festival, then it was the meal, then it's the lamb, the whole perspective of that. It's to point people to Jesus, the, the whole purpose of the festival and the meal, and, and to realize that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Well, we've been talking about what happened after that, uh, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection. But after the resurrection, we talked about how the, the, the disciples themselves, who Jesus said, I'll be resurrected in three days, they didn't believe because they weren't at the tomb waiting. But the ladies, the ladies, Mary, Mary, Joanna, they were all hanging out wondering, I, I believe him. I, I, I believe him. I trust Jesus. And so it took a while before the disciples in that, in that 40 days before he ascended, it took a while for the disciples to actually believe that Jesus would do what he said he would do. Isn't that amazing? I've been walking with him for three, three years, and they still are not showing up. They're out fishing, out catching fish. They went to the lake. It was Memorial Day weekend for them. They're out at the lake, hanging out, and he shows up to bring a brunch. Bring some fish and, and some charcoal right there. He's just cooking up on the side. And then finally they get it. They see him. They recognize him. And they're all in. He is resurrected. He did what he said he would do. And, and I really want to drive that home that even the disciples struggled with trusting that Jesus would do what he said he would do. And so it, it should be familiar whenever we struggle with that of trusting that Jesus will do what he says he will do. But I think that's the growth process for every disciple Every saint, everyone who is in Christ, or as you've come to Christ, realizing that, hey, uh, we can trust that Jesus will do what he says he will do. And so we're picking up right here. Technically, we're in that 10 days. Jesus ascended, if we we're talking about modern day, Wednesday this past week, the day before my birthday. By the way, I turned 30 this week, feeling good. Don't I look at it? I told, the, I told the service last service, the gray just comes from, you know, being a pastor. But the rest of it, <laughs> I'm really young, 45, a young 45. And, uh, but the day before, Wednesday, let's just say that was 10 days before next weekend, Sunday. And so you have the day he ascended. So now we are, here we are in our series that 10 days during uh, a post-ascension, but before Pentecost. Jesus is gone. They watched him go up in the sky. Two men in white said, hey, why are you looking? He said he'll return. He'll return in the same way he ascended. He'll descend in the same way he ascended. And so now they're starting to get his, it's got, he, Jesus has their attention. Okay, he showed back up. He resurrected. He did what he said he would do. He may be about his business. They, he taught for that, for that 40 days, and he created inside of them not an expectation, but an expectancy. There's a big difference between expectation. You go into, you go into a marriage with expectation, say, mm, I expect this, I expect all this, I expect... Then they get shattered because you realize it doesn't it work like that. And, and some of you are probably struggling with, I got expectations for Jesus. He needs to do this and that, and, and it ain't working out for you. But when we come to him with expectancy, 
That means now we've developed this heart that's, that's willing to receive, that's willing to take on whatever he says, that's willing to do whatever he is saying, he has said, or how he delivers his message or his direction. Expectancy means uh, I, I know he's about to do. In fact, let me give you the definitions. Expectation is something which is an anticipated or is likely to happen. I mean, it could. I'm expecting it to happen. It should happen. But expectancy is a whole other spectrum. Expectancy is something we should have as followers of Christ, people who walk with Christ are in relationship with Christ, because it looks like this. Expectancy is a state of hopefulness. Like, I just walk around hopeful. Why are you so hopeful? Because I know Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do, no matter what the situation that I'm going through. So it, it causes the hopefulness to start become my state of mind. When I see things, my state of mind towards that situation is hopefulness. Like, I, I don't understand anything outside of that at this point because I'm hopeful because Jesus has brought me to this point. He guided me here, and now he's going to do and get me through whatever it is, or he's going to do the very thing he said he will do next. I'm hopeful. So I have an expectancy that when he says, I'm going to just believe it, and then I'm going to move with him. You see the difference? So this is what they created. This is what Jesus created in that 40 days. He's like, I'm, I'm gone. They thought, well, he's gone. He's not coming back. But then he shows back up on the beach not ready to have a hangout, but ready to talk business, kingdom business. He teaches them the kingdom, his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom for 40 days. He had been talking about it. They just didn't have, his, he didn't have their attention, apparently. But now they see him resurrected. He did what he said he would do. He's back with us. They thought they're in this longing of desperation, probably some kind of de depression, because I thought he was just going to, I thought we were going to take over the kingdom. He's gone. He's never coming back, shows up, creates a new perspective, a new paradigm for those who follow him because now he's starting to really come through on some really supernatural things. He's teaching the kingdom. He's grabbing their attention. And in these last 10 days, he says, go into the city and wait because you're going to receive power to go out to be my messenger, to be my witness in all the earth. He, he, he changes the, their mindset. He creates an expectancy. Now, you th do you think they were able to trust him like they believed immediately now? I think we're in that 10 weeks where like their, their expectancy was way up there. They had a state of hopefulness because it was revived when they saw Jesus in his resurrected body, spent time with him in his resurrected body for 40 days. He explained the kingdom for 40 days. He was giving them vision and insight of where we were going, what he was doing, what he desired for 40 days. And so with that, as he ascended, there was probably a, level, a whole level, another level of expect, expectancy inside of them, knowing that what he said will take place. Now, what do we do from here? And that's where we are. So what do we do from here? And this is the 10 days. This is the 10 days before the church started and blew up, just exploded. All right, I hope I got you now. Now you know the difference between expectancy and expectation. So you can say to your wife, I'm, I'm having expectancy on breakfast tomorrow, but my expectations are really low. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> you'll be gone. I'm not, I'm not going to work. All right, so first we need to be expectant to hear. We need to be expectant to hear. We need to be expectant that he's going to speak. We need to understand how he speaks. 
In fact, there's three ways I'm going to give you and uh, how he speaks and how he leads. I'm going, to, I'm going to build with the first two, and around the end, I'm going to come back around and give you the third. When the first is, is exact, this is what they did. I'm going to give you a model of what the disciples created in that 10 days. And the model is this. Their, their situation they were in, Jesus is not, he's now ascended. And they're one, they're one disciple short. Judas, it didn't work out for Judas. So here they are. They're now going to search the scriptures to see what he says. And so in Acts 1.15, we capture this. It says, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number, was, number of names was about 120. And said, verse 16, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by, by the mouth of David. Now, he's referring now to the word of God, to the Old Testament. He's referring back to what King David has said and it's bringing, the Holy Spirit is, or it is coming back to his remembrance. He's like, we got to search the scriptures. we got to go back to the word to see what the word says about our situation, our circumstance. Follow me. David, concerning Judas, who, has, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So they go, they're searching the scriptures, and here's where they found that. Here's, here's what they're referring to, Psalms 41.9. says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted... Ate, who, I trusted, ate my, who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. When David spoke that, he was talking about a real situation for him. However, he was also prophesying that one day Judas would betray Jesus. So they knew to search the scripture because they were expectant to hear what God had to say about their situation. Another place, just a few, passages, a few uh, scriptures down in the book of Acts, Acts 1, first chapter, they, he, Peter is also saying it, for it is written in the book of Psalms, and I'm giving you the address that's not in your Bible in Acts, but this is what he's referring to whenever he speaks these next two things. He says, let his dwelling place be, a desolate and let, uh, be, a, be desolate and let no one live in it. Well, that did take place. They bought the field, and they're like, nobody's going to be there. This is a field of blood. No, no, don't. Don't go there. So they did that. And then they referred to another scripture from the Word to hear what God had to say about their situation. They referred to Psalms 109.8, let another take his office, and so they acted upon the very thing that the Word of God said. So they're learning to be expectant to hear what God has to say through his written word first, and so they search the scriptures. They start to refer back to what their scriptures say about their circumstance and situation. You got to grab this piece I wonder how far advanced, much further advanced the kingdom of God would be. I wonder how much more advanced in the world the body of Christ would be if the, every believer would pause during a situation, a circumstance, and search the scriptures and say, what does God say about my situation, and how do I apply his word in my situation so my situation can come out looking more like his desire and his plan because I'm adhering to his word? I'm giving you a nugget on learning how to hear the, word, hear the voice of God, to hear the word of God. So in my situation, instead of doing it my will, I'm subjecting my will to his will, which is written in his word, and his will now becomes the authority of my life and the next steps in my situation. So I want to do this, but he says do this. Which one's going to win? Because everywhere we're undecided on that, we're still struggling in life. So in first... We have to follow the parameters of what the disciples were doing, and that was searching the scriptures to see how to apply the word of God, his desire, his plan, his blueprint for our lives in this particular situation, in every situation that we go through. So, Romans 10, 16 and 18 says this, and this is, this is a part that Paul is 
Paul is beginning to refer because we talk about being expectant to hear. Where does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. And we know this scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But what is Paul referring to? What is the basis of this? He's bringing, he's exposing scripture from the Psalms again. Because again, we're talking about having expectant to hear. Faith causes us, increased faith causes us to have an expectancy to hear the voice of God, to hear the word of God, to hear God. It says in Romans 10, 16 and 18, this is Paul writing to the Romans, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, I'm giving you the address, says, the Lord who has believed our report. He's referring back to Isaiah. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if faith is going to increase, we've got to hear we got to be expectant to hear, and we got to trust that we will hear, but we also need to hear the heart of God through his written word. We have to understand how he speaks so that we know when he speaks, who it's coming from. He says, 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound, whose sound? I'm going to give you the reference in just a minute. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. He's referring to Psalms 19, 1 and 11. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Now, this gives us a picture of how God operates, how he functions, what his will is for us, how we should embrace his word, his decrees, his testimonies, his judgments, his statutes. And as we do, God is setting a framework up for us to be able to hear and understand his word, but then also his voice. When the framework, according to his word, is set in our minds, in our hearts, in our will, meaning I'm going to subject, subject my will to his will, that, that means I've got to honor his word. I've got to really approach him humbly with a humble heart. I, I've got to go to, a, go to him with a heart that I'm not going to be right probably in whatever we're about to talk about, but I'm willing to follow you no matter what. So he says, day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge, there is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. He's saying the, the voice of the Lord goes through all the earth, and it, it goes, integrates through every language, so no one is with excuse. Their line, this is where he quotes, this is where Paul was quoting to the Romans in, in chapter 16 when he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's saying, listen, you got to have the framework of how the word of God speaks, how the heart of God speaks, before you can plan to hear the, hear the voice. Because you need the voice for your current situation, for every situation, but you also have to understand the heart of God through his written word. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Verse 5, in them, I'm sorry, in them he has set, to set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Who's the bridegroom? So when we're in his word and we start to understand the character and nature of God, and we have a heart, because God knows the heart of everybody, and you can't fool God. He knows everybody's heart. And so when you have a heart that's, that's subjected and humble to the voice of God, to his presence, to his word, all of a sudden, and we're, we're reminding ourselves of here's, here's what he said, here's what he'll do, here's what he said he would do, just like the disciples had to go through that experience. Oh, he resurrected. He said he would. He's now done it. Now he's got my attention. So he's setting up a framework, but whenever we're willing to subject our thoughts and our ideas to his framework and how he speaks, all of a sudden, it's like the bridegroom himself coming out of the chambers to meet us in our devotion time, meet us in our situation. 
He understands, oh, you're willing to be, uh, be, be humble. You're willing to hear, have an expectancy to hear, to believe, and to obey. And I'm ready to come out of the chambers, and I'm ready to meet you right there where you need me. I'm teaching you how to hear. But you have to have expectancy to hear. Psalms. And so he continues on. He says this, verse 6. He says, it's, it's rising is from, the sun, from one end of the heavens and the, its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. His heat. Then he starts to give the framework. You got to get this. There, there's so many things that he says, hey, this is a principle. Here's the reward. Here's the principle. Here's the reward. You, do, you, you see me this way. Here's what you get. The law of the Lord is perfect. We can say that as the word of the Lord for us. It's, it's perfect. It's converting the soul. We're all, all of our souls are in a conversion process right now. We're all in different places, but constantly our soul is being converted to look more like Christ. It's con- being converted to be revived and redeemed by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is working through with our spirit to clean up our soul. And so the Word, as we practice it and we put it to place, it, convert, it converts us. Thank God. My mind changes. My mind is renewed. It says be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Scripture says. Uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Oh, you need wisdom? I think there's plenty of the Lord's testimonies of what he has done and what he can do, what he will do. There's testimonies that you've heard from people that you know and you've seen the outcome and the evidence of it. There's testimonies that are all through the Old Testament and the New Testament that reveal a truth for your situation so that you know how to apply if you trust that situation, you trust what God did in that situation, and that you trust that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever, then I can trust that his way is greater than my way and that that wisdom from that situation is applicable to my situation. Go back. Making wise the simple. So you don't have a simple problem. It's a trusting of the testimonies of God problem. Praise God. Eight. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Have you struggled with rejoicing right now? It may be a, an issue where I'm not trusting the decrees. This is what God has said. This is a statute. Here's what he said about the situations. Here's what he said about how to live. Here's what he said about, about how to go about my, my circumstances. Here's what he said. I struggle rejoicing. Well, maybe it's time to just start adhering to the voice of God and what he's already decreed so that you can hear more of what he has more personally. Because Scripture says twice. It says to rejoice in your trials. Rejoice in your sufferings, for they produce proven character, proven character, perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. So I can walk around in expectancy, which is a state of hopefulness, because I learned how to rejoice in my trial, because I know the decrees of the Lord are true, and He will take me through any situation I'm in. Boy, I'm preaching today. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Man, isn't that good? My eyes are wide wide awake. I finally have a sense of awe, and I'm finally amazed because I understood and I held to the commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It means just coming to him with a reverence. God does not desire us to have a fear of being afraid of him, but having reverence in the sense of expectancy and humility to say, I'm going to surrender my will to your will. I have a reverence for you. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Whatever he said, he's already decided, it's better for me to just follow that way. When these parameters are our, our heart and how we approach God and how we walk with God and how we approach his word, we start to hear the word and then faith starts to get activated. And all of a sudden, there's a new expectancy to hear God more often in any situation that we're going through. 
Um, next one, more, more to be desired are they, the words. Remember, Paul's referring to, when he says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, he is referring to the framework in which God speaks to us. You got to hear it. More to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Whenever his word, hearing his voice and his words and applying them to our life are more of a focus and a value, and we honor those more than our pursuit for the sweet things in life, the selfish ambitions and the desires. Whenever his word is more valuable than our own desires and our own ambitions, all of a sudden he gives us a blueprint for life that is projected towards success, and he makes all these things just come, to, come into our possession or come, in, come to pass anyway. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is where principles come from. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... Oh, yeah, and all these things will be added. God's constantly trying to take our attention away from things, circumstances, and situations and put them more on kingdom. Focus on kingdom. Focus on what I'm doing. Focus on what my desires are, and I'll make all this stuff start to happen for you. He's constantly rerouting our focus, but we get so hard-focused on wrong things, and we're, no, we lose the expectancy to hear God. All right. He says, in keeping them, there is great reward. And this, this, this indicates, this indicates, he speaks to us, your servant is warned, meaning he's constantly communicating through his word how to shape us, and he says, and when we keep them, he just projects us on a life of success. It's a promise. Now, I have to decide, do I trust God at that? Because that's going to that's gonna dictate how I decide things. And then it's going to dictate how I'm willing to come to him and hear him when he speaks or at least go to his word for my situations and circumstances. All right, let me give you this one. Because Jesus had the struggle. Like, he understood the struggle's real. In Mark 6, 1 through 6, Jesus went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach the synagogue in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is that which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed? And by his hands, like they're amazed, they're in awe, they're like, this is, this is phenomenal, I'm so excited about this, who is this guy? There's a lot of wisdom, there's a lot of mighty works. And, and then he says, wait a minute, isn't that the carpenter's son? This is the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and, and, and Judas, and Simon, and, and are not the, his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Like, who do you think you are? Like, they go from, all, you know, in awe, and amazed by what he can do, the wisdom, and the mighty works, to, wait, that's, that's just the carpenter. And they were offended, completely offended. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own, home, his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5. Now he could do no mighty work. Not because he didn't have any power. But they had no expectancy to hear or receive anything from Jesus. Some of us are wondering why Jesus is not working in our life, but we have no expectancy to hear from him, to believe what he says, and by faith just begin to act out of obedience to what he's saying. He doesn't have a miracle problem. We might have a discipleship problem. 
could do no work, except that he, he laid hands, his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. They saw that it was Jesus, but all they could see was the human. All they could see was the carpenter. They didn't see the authority in the man. They didn't see the authority in which he carried. They didn't see, they didn't understand the word. And so we see it's not always enough uh, to simply hear the word, but we also must have expectancy to believe. Boy, I'm going to expect, I expect God to speak in this situation. I expect he already has an answer for my situation, so I'm going to search the scriptures and see how I need to have an expectancy to believe whatever it is that he's saying. Because when I expect, I have an expectancy to, to believe whatever he says, then my, my state of being is hopefulness. And so I have joy in the midst of a trial, expectant to believe. Acts 21, I'm sorry, Acts 20 uh, says this. I'm referring again to where they begin to figure out what do we do next? Okay, we searched the scriptures. We saw what he says. He says this was going to happen. He said, let's put another in office. Now we're hearing the word of God. We're hearing from him. We've got a, set, a structure set up for how God wants us to handle our situation. You all catching that? God had a, had a plan. Jesus ascended, but he still had a plan. So here they are. He says, yes, let another take his office. And so what do we do? Acts 1.21, they're still continuing. He says, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time, the, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. One of the main requirements they held in high esteem was that the next leader must have been walking with the Lord, must have learned from the Lord like they learned from the Lord. So they must have a proven expectancy to hear the Lord. They must have a proven expectancy to believe, meaning I'm acting upon whatever it is that I'm hearing, I'm believing it as to be true, and I'm walking this thing out. Because the people, the person uh, that are going to carry, begin to start the church they have a high level of responsibility to carry, to make, making sure that they're carrying the will and the word of God. And so they weren't going to just let any John Doe just step in and say, hey, you want to fill in Judas' shoes? You're good. But they had to find somebody that was proven, that was tested, that, that had perseverance. Obviously, this person must embody a relationship with Christ and be willing to do whatever it takes, according to the word of God, to extend the kingdom of God. This is what they were setting up for. They weren't setting up to go play tic-tac-toe or go back fishing. Jesus has their attention. He's told them, you're going to go receive power, but I want you to wait until you receive power. And with that power, what you're going to do is you're going to take, you're going to build my kingdom to the utmost parts of the world. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, oh, explicit, I don't know what I'm going to do here. This is way above what my situation I'm capable for. But all of a sudden, Jesus has your attention, and you're willing to humble yourself down to everything just to hear his voice, just for a direction, just for clarity, just for, just give me something, Lord, because I'm in a dry space right now. And all of a sudden, in that dry space, his word has value. Let me tell you, that's where they were. <laughs> Hope I can get you. But in Acts 1, 2, and 7, it says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after all through, uh, all through the Holy Spirit, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles, 
whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Here's where he says, go into the city, wait, you're going to receive power from on high to be my witness into the utmost parts of the earth. Go to, go to number uh, 16, I mean, sorry, 6, verse 6. Therefore, he's sitting there telling them about the kingdom of God. Their response is, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still having a small mentality. This is their will, their desire, their plan. What they thought Jesus should do is restore the kingdom right now to, the, to, the, to Israel and overtake Rome. But in the midst of this, where he's teaching the kingdom, and they're asking this question, he says, no, this is what I want you to do. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in my own, his own authority he changed their thinking to say to, to remind them, you go seek, you go where I say, and you just wait for the power. You just believe me. And you wait for the very thing that you're gonna need to do whatever it is I'm asking you to do next. So in hearing, they believed and realized that the resurrected Christ had been teaching about his kingdom. But when they asked, is now the time, he shifted their expectancy away from the kingdom. They desired and towards the Holy Spirit who would empower them to extend his kingdom. Again, a lot of times we're focused on the wrong things. We're over here focused on this. Here's what I want. Here's what I think should happen. And Jesus is speaking, trying to reroute our thoughts and say, hey, how about this? How about this, which takes you to that? How about, how about this that fulfills my will? How about, how, about, how about you hear me over here in this situation, but I'm so, you're, we're so stuck on our, our situation, or our circumstance, or what we want then we don't have an, we're, not having, we're not expectant to hear and believe. We're expected. We have expectation. We have an expectation for you, Jesus. To, I want you to work and tell me what I need to do about this situation. I want you to bless my path. He's like, hey, don't worry about that. You just receive the power to go where I send you. And so he's changing up their thinking. And God, God tends to do this whenever we're we're a little bit distracted or we're focused on the wrong things. And so he's trying to take us to retrain our framework, our, our methods of thinking and saying, hey, get at the end of yourself and let me fill you up. Let me, let me give you direction for your life. I'm, I'm going to give you an example. I was uh, 10 years ago, I, uh, I had a Facebook post actually pop up this week on Wednesday, I think. And it, 10 years ago, we were, I was in, living in Honduras and it, it, we were... I was pastoring or teaching in my first uh, conference. It was a pastor's conference, about 30. And I actually did two that week. And one was like, there's 100 in the next one and 30 in the first one. It was just a, a bunch of pastors. So in, in preparation for that, what I saw in this, in this post, this Facebook post, it said, I was asking for people to pray and fast because I was, we, were, we were speaking at a conference. And the, the conference name was Life and Freedom. Well, I it recalled, this, this week I recalled how Ten years ago, I was sitting at a table in, in Honduras in a, in a hotel, sitting at the white little tables that we sat at, at San Carlos is the name of the hotel we would stay at. And I remember there being there with two pastors and my translator. And I'm sitting here looking at my phone because I'm, I'm just kind of doing my devotional that morning. And a note popped up from the previous year. 
And now the, the translator is a cessationist, like God doesn't speak and he doesn't move with miracles at all anymore. He's just dogmatic. He actually came from my, my wife's church that she came from. She was like the only spirit-filled person in the church. I was like, it's amazing. And so I'm at this table, I look at this, I glance at this, and I'm remembering a year back from then when I first moved to Honduras. I mean, this was times where if you've never, let me talk about dry spaces, like you get to a place, not that it's not just, not, let alone it's hot and dry, and you, you get out of a shower and you sweat in, Hund- in San Pedro Sula. There's no wind. But I'm sitting there like in, in a state of just, what am I doing here? Like I dropped everything to move to Honduras because, Lord, you said this is where you want me to go. This is where you want me to stay. You said you'll supply more, uh, give me more support than I can imagine. You said, Lord, and I'm, I'm need day after day. I'm, there's tears. There's lamenting. There's me getting me out of me, and I, had, I was being set up. I had no clue, and I'm out there in the temple one day. I stayed at a, a Bible institute, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this place of, Lord, I have no clue what I'm doing. What, what, I don't, you brought me here. And so I'm looking over the city, San Pedro Sula, which is the murder capital of the world, by the way. And let me tell you, uh, when you're in, you're in the will of God, you're just safe no matter, feel safe no matter where you go. But I'm sitting over looking over the city, and I say, Lord, what do you want me to do here? And just like the, I heard, I want you to bring life and freedom. Fast forward back to the story, the post that I got this week, and praying and fa- asking people to pray and fast because we're leading a concert, that, uh, a, sorry, a conference that's called Life and Freedom. Well, in the gap time between those two, from the time the Lord spoke to me and the time we're actually having this conference, I knew nothing about, I didn't know what he was talking about, freedom. It was about four months later after the time he said that, that I'm coming back, I'm living back here, and now I'm taking teams to Honduras, and my pastors come to me and say, hey, there's this ministry called Freedom uh, at another church. I want to send you there to go learn and train and, and, uh, and, and help us to develop a ministry. Okay. I know, I have no clue what this is what's going on. But that week, let me just tell you, at the training, God just, he just communicated a lot and rocked my world. So here I am, I'm sitting at this table again, this breakfast table with this cessationist and two other pastors, and I'm, this old note that I made in my Bible, uh, I come across it, and I say, Juan Carlos, you won't believe what I'm seeing. He goes, what? Because we've had a lot of interesting conversation about God speaks, he doesn't speak. God speaks, he doesn't speak. God speaks. I said, look at this. A year ago, the Lord told me to, to bring life and, life and freedom to Honduras in this area. And here we are. Look at the name of the conference. Vida y Libertad. Life and freedom. And he, for a moment, he's like, oh my gosh, that's, that's amazing. And the bondage just overtook him. Like, that can't be possible. No expectancy to hear no expectancy to believe. Let me tell you, God, God wants you to hear him. He wants you to believe him, but it's not just enough. We also have to be expectant to obey him. Hard word. Like you had me, I don't mind hearing and believing, but you talk about obey. Mm. I don't know, pastor. Anybody seen the, the, the series Mandalorian? This is the way. Come on, where are, my, where are my Mandalorian people out? All right, so thank you, thank you. So there's this, uh, the, the lady that's now taking on the leadership, uh, a Bocathon Crees, she is going around, tasked with going around and finding all the different Mandalorian tribes who have been divided. And she's, she's the one that's called, that's, that's ordained to, uh, to bring them back together, to unite them. And she says this one statement that really just popped out, out, out at me last week. It says, the only thing that weakens us is that which divides us. And I thought, ooh, you're just talking to the church, girl. 
And it really comes around honor. Like they didn't honor Jesus, and so he could do no works. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't do works. It was the honor that they had in their heart. There was no expectancy to hear. There was no expectancy to believe. There was no expectancy to obey, and so there was no honor. And it's the very thing that divides us because there, when honor, when we're dry on honor, and their honor is not, uh, not accessible and, and even permeating the environment, there's almost like a, a, a restriction to what God can do. And it's obvious in his word. So I say this to say when we don't honor God's word and hold a, have an expectancy to hear God when we come to the scriptures, we don't have an expectancy to believe. Whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. We just got to help my unbelief. And we don't have an expectancy to say whatever it is that you're going to say, I'm going to do it no matter what. I don't have to understand to do it. That opens up the flow to be able to have revelation from God on, the word, on his word, on his written word. And a funnel from heaven to be able to hear his voice as well. I'm setting up a framework for you. But I think since 2020, when everybody went home, they got in their closet. Instead of turning it into a prayer closet, they turned it into a social media blaspheming closet. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, the critics just rose up. And most of it's just uninformed or ill-informed and heard some things or saw some things that I really, my flesh agrees with, and so I'm just going to tap in and get it. And so criticism just started emerging. It, 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 sadly, it's in the society, but it started coming into the church as well. What happens with that, it starts to create, it started to create dishonor. Well, I think this, well, I think this, well, I think we have a lot of divisions. The only thing that weakens us is that which divides us. And so we've seen this. And even even, even uh, Satan did this. Sorry, Judas did this. He infiltrated, Satan infiltrated the ranks of the Jesus' of disciples. He worked through Judas. But what he didn't know was he was actually moving the will of God fa- forward faster. And here's where I'm, I'm trying to put a state of hopefulness inside of you. Because it, no matter what culture or what things are going on in the world, God is always, there's a promise and a principle that he's always, next verse, he's always doing what he says. That he, he is always doing something on the backside that we can't see. And here's the plan of the enemy to get us distracted on the situations and circumstances rather than going to the word and saying, Lord, what do you say about this situation? Joseph knew this whenever he got, he went through a, a, a barrage of trials and his brothers are coming back and he says this, what you meant, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in, this, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. Let me tell you right now, the, the, Satan would love for us to get distracted the body of Christ to get distracted on what's going on in the world rather than coming to the Lord with expectancy to hear him, to believe that he has an antidote for the situation, and he's choosing to use you and I to be that antidote, and we obey, and we just begin to move the will of God, the kingdom of God forward, Focus not on what we think the kingdom should be. Come on, today are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? But rather receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and listening to the voice of God and being willing to believe and obey with great expectancy no matter what he says that you want to see the kingdom of God advance you want to see the church advance quit focusing on the problems and know that God is working something on the backside and he's looking for people that are willing to listen and obey without understanding because it's in the obeying that we've learned and we develop an understanding God works differently than the world does 
Joseph found this out in Psalms 105 and 19. It says, until the, the time that his word came to pass, meaning the word that the Lord gave Joseph because he gave him vision twice of what he would be doing in the future. And so many of us have, have this internal knowing that this thing is supposed to happen, that I'm going to see this thing, that my family is going to look like this, that we're supposed to be going this direction, that, that I know this is the future of my life. We have this internal, this innate thing that God has just buried inside of us to fulfill. But what we forget is the very thing that Joseph had to learn. Until that word comes to pass, the word of the Lord was testing him. How he handled situations. His expectancy to hear, believe, and obey the word and the Lord. It was testing him. It was testing him in his relationships. It was testing him in his life, his personal life, his, his relationship life, his everything life. The word of the Lord was testing him. I got you a good uh, quote from Mike Tyson. You want to hear it? You didn't know you were going to hit nuggets of wisdom from Mike Tyson this Sunday morning when you woke up. It says, discipline is doing what you hate to do, but nonetheless doing it like you love it. Being a disciple is following the will of God, having an expectancy that God's going to speak, that I'm going to believe, and no matter what, even though I hate it, because it doesn't look like my ambitions and my desires sometimes, but it's way better than I could ever imagine. And it's way better than what I would have otherwise settled for. Man, we, we strive for so much less than what God has for us. And he's just trying to work the word out of us and in us. He's testing us with the word so that he can bring us to the vision and the purpose and the calling that he's already destined us for. And so they said, the disciples, here they are. Okay, Lord, you know the hearts of all, verse 124. You know the hearts of all. Show which of these two men's you, men you have chosen. So they cast lots, and, and the Lord chooses. Verse 26, the, 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 low, the, the, the lots fell on Matthias, which was numbered with the 11. And in the modern day, that was pre, pre-Pentecost, modern day, God has another plan. In Acts 13, 2 and 4, he says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. Before it was lots, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And now the Holy Spirit is collaborating with men and women in leadership that he designed as we are listening to him to fulfill the will of God. Let me wrap this up real quick. So hearing means... Hearing him through his written word. Hearing means hearing him directly because I have the framework of his written words in me. Hearing also means understanding that God gives discernment to leadership to guide and direct and to develop. Not to lord over. Let me look at this. Let me look at this. First Peter 5, 2 and 7. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, like, oh my gosh, I gotta lead these people, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you who shepherd the flock. 
being an example to the flock, rather. And, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, clothed with humility. You know what? Whenever honor is in the house, we're expecting God to move, just like Jesus that, that lacked in his own hometown. There's an honor. There's a, this equal submission back and forth to one another. Why? Because I need what Jesus is going to do through you. I need what the Holy Spirit has to say and act upon through you because it's actually part of an integrated will of God. And like every leader that comes through here, that is here, and as we're raising up new leaders, you need what God has done in their hearts and their lives and it's speaking through them to bless you. That's, that's what he says, don't lord over, but to bless, to build up. The authority that God gives to lead and to de develop and to disciple is an authority to give away, not to hold on to. And we struggle with that because we spend so much time in the world. Look at this, Romans 1, 13, 1 and 4 says, Every soul should be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. This is all. There's got to be an honor that comes back to the body of Christ in general. Now, Obviously, you guys do a great job. Let me tell you, y'all always make me feel so honored. This is more about you going and teaching other churches, you know, that don't have to experience, that don't have this experience. But really, the honor, it's a time for honor to just come back, to just saturate our lives and saturate our thought processes and understand that we get blessed from one another whenever there's a lot of honor. He says this in, in, in verse 4, for he is God's minister to you for good. So God speaks through his leadership. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Oh my gosh, you have me, now you got, what? I'm out. For they watch out for your souls as those who must have given account. Do you know that the leadership that God has provided for you watches over your soul and we understand that one day we will give an account for how we lead? Whew, do, you, do you realize these guys, they're on our staff, they stay up late at night, in the midst of the night, waking up at night because of situations and struggles and things that the body is going through? And then let them do so with joy and not with grief. The way I read this, I, I had to hit, hit a wall and I realized it's profitable for me to make it a joy for those who are leading me to lead me. It was profitable. Whenever I hit that moment, I realized, whoa, my, my own obstinance is keeping me from growing in the path of the Lord that the Lord has for me. No one, nobody else is keeping me from growth but me and my, my hard heart. Well, I had a revelation over this, this verse about 11 years ago. And, and Jesus uses this, this principle too. There's, there's a group that, you know, a guy says, hey, Yes, I'll go and do what you're asking, and he doesn't go and do it. He's submissive, but not obedient. But then there's another one that says, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I can't believe you're asking me to do that, but then he goes and does it. He's actually obedient, though he's not submissive. God's saying, hey, for my kingdom, for my kingdom, there's got to be a lot of honor. And I need you to be expectant to hear, and I need you to be expectant to believe, and I need you to be expectant to obey, because I need the kingdom of God to move forward. That is our whole reason of existence. 
And I'm telling you right now, even this year, I, I can feel it in my bones like I always have when things start to happen. In the fall, I can tell you, there's going to be great growth in this house. And we're in advance because we're hearing like they did with Matthias. We're hearing we got to raise up leaders. And like I said, you guys do such a great job honoring me. But there's going to be leaders that are stepping up like Matthias, like, man, I haven't been, I haven't been one of the 12 disciples all this time. Nobody's going to listen to me. But as we begin to delegate out and empower out and give away authority to new leaders, well, we're going to get a lot out of them the more we honor them. You good? You hear what I'm saying? People struggle with that, and I'm going to address it straightforward. You just struggle with honoring leadership. But leadership in the kingdom of God is there to serve, to lift up, to develop, to give away authority as, as God, God designs. He puts it on leaders' hearts. So I just want to, for a church statement, just kind of cast vision for that. You good? You okay? No one's here to hurt anybody. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is testing us until your word is fulfilled, your, your personal word is fulfilled. And so, Lord, in whatever area that any person, any one of us, myself included, are going through, that your word, your written word is testing us so that your spoken word can be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that you give revelation, that you give insight, that you strengthen us. And Lord, as we wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us to fulfill the calling that you've purposed each and every one of us for, Father, we, we are expectant. We live in a state of hopefulness, not that hopefully you will come through, Lord, but because of your testimonies, your statutes, your commandments, your character and your nature, we can trust that you will come through. And Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen and amen.